0: So, some of you may be thinking that, oh goodness, Father Anthony's not here to preach, so maybe we'll get out before 10. <laughs> Unfortunately, Father Steve sometimes preaches longer than Father Anthony. We kind of help each other that way. But um, just real quick on the gospel, one quick takeaway, because it is pretty complicated. But first of all, the message is partially don't compare, right? Because those who worked all day, they thought they were going to get a certain amount, they thought they were going to get more than, than worked. Um, you know, just that last hour and they were wrong, it's, you know, don't compare because it's always between you and God whatever you had and were given God expects from you and don't worry about them and there's sort of a parallel actually between the prodigal son and his elder brother, here's the elder brother who was there faithful all the time in the house working hard and complained to the father who would welcome the prodigal son back at the last moment and give him a share in the inheritance once more, so if that helps you understand the gospel a little bit there's some food for thought But I want to stick with that that idea of of seeking the Lord, coming to Him, drawing near to Him. Like I said, I'm the dean of the deanery and and trying to help us understand a little bit. We heard a lot about, you know, consolidating and and, and bringing parishes together or closing parishes. And and there's been a lot of loss after the many storms, the many struggles that we've been through. Ida, the COVID shutdown, etc., Maybe there are some pastoral decisions that we've liked, others that we don't understand. Maybe some pastoral decisions that we resent. And I don't come here in any kind of town hall meeting to to make a decision today, but like I said, we need to bring everything to the Lord. And I ask you to pray for three intentions in particular. One, we pray for healing to the damages, especially the spiritual damages that we have faced in the recent storms especially. Also, for a greater spirit of communion between neighboring parishes and even with our Archbishop. And three, we pray for a deeper sense of our shared mission, that we all take ownership of the mission that we have. We hear about this closing or consolidating of parishes, and the Archbishop has been clear. No decision has been made other than this. Given our circumstances, both as an archdiocese and as local churches, things cannot remain as they have been. If you've been paying attention, all parishes, but especially a few in particular, have been really intensely going through a discernment, a facilitated discernment to look at their situation. Some of them are really facing some tough situations in the immediate future, and to make some proposals to the Archbishop. I know that um, there's been a lot on our minds, and I've had my own reflections. That's what I want to share with you all today. These are my own personal... Reflections, this is is not a script from the Archdiocese. These are not talking points that I was given by Archbishop. These are my own reflections. Um, I'm not here to point fingers at anyone or or, or much less the Archbishop, but I also know that these are coming to like the parable of the seeds and different kinds of soil. We're all in different places. We're all facing this and listening to the news with different attitudes. Some have a great deal of love for your parish or for your pastor. Some love our Archbishop and have a great deal of trust in the Archdiocese. Others maybe a different situation or a different sentiment. So I know that the seed of my reflection is going to fall on different kinds of soil, and I simply ask for an open and prayerful ear and for the Holy Spirit to lead us as one family of faith. Let me start by talking about storms. Maybe we were previously unaware, but personally I feel like Ida was only one of many and tremendous storms that our Catholic faith and our church community has been facing and for quite a long time. Ida, I think, simply ripped off the band-aid, so to speak, especially with insurance and FEMA not coming through as quickly as we'd expected. We've been forced to have very tough, very sobering conversations and realize that we're no longer riding the comfortable wave we once had been. I think maybe we've been ignoring things for a long time, and some of these conversations were likely decades overdue. Many storms. Obviously, Ida was the most recent and pretty harsh, We look at our churches and even some of our own properties are still recovering, still have tarps over the roofs and everything else. And with time passing, the damage has been worsening. But Ida had followed that other storm of the global pandemic and the shutdown. The entire world had this societal and economic shutdown. And many churches had to drain some of their savings to keep the doors open when people were not coming. And as if that weren't bad enough, you had the storm of the scandal, right? So many have lost faith in the church and bishops and priests, faith in the Pope. How could trusted shepherds do such things? And how could they have been kept concealed? And from that, our own Archdiocese has been locked in lawsuits and a prolonged bankruptcy of reorganization. In many ways, her hands have been tied, and she has not been able to help parishes in ways that maybe in the past she would have been able to help. And those are just three storms, and they seem like a perfect storm that would have wreaked havoc. In any church. But I think there's more for us to be aware of. Other storms. Think of demographic changes. And for me, I think this is a factor having the most influence in the painful conversations about sustainability or consolidation of parishes. There was an article that came out in May of last, of this year, and it listed nationwide the areas of the whole country in the different demographic situations, especially major population losses. St. John's Civil Parish, right down the road, was number two in the nation of population diminishment, loss. St. Charles was number eight. We're number eight in the nation for major shifts in population. Let's think about that. Many who are facing this population shortage have little hope that the community will ever be as numerous as it once was. And that storm has been going on for a while. Then there's the financial, the economic storm, right? Costs are decreasing or increasing. They're increasing, right? We kind of wish your utilities bill was lower this year, but it's much higher. And don't even mention your insurance premiums, right? They're skyrocketing in some places. And that's you all in particular, and that's residential insurance. But think of our parishes, which each have multiple buildings to pay for. What about salaries, right? When prices are increasing, you want salaries to decrease or increase? They need to increase just to afford the basic cost of living sometimes. And again, demographically, things are changing. The the people donating are no longer as numerous as they were. So what's going to happen? Will the parish contributors increase somehow, or who's in charge of that? Years ago, we also heard of a storm that we refer to as the vocational crisis. I think, thankfully, in New Orleans, we were blessed not to have felt it too much. We're so used to priests. That if one priest were to retire or pass away, and we've we've had a lot of that recently, we just presume we're entitled to another priest or another pastor. But we're ignoring that we don't have any priests sitting idle on the sidelines. Think about this. For one parish to get a new pastor, we're getting to the point where another parish will have to lose theirs. Or that pastors, already kind of exhausted with one parish, will be tasked over two or three parishes. And what's that going to look like? And what's that going to do to the pastor? How long is he going to last? I, I'm exhausted with one. And that's just the quantity of vocations, right? What about the quality? Anybody want the mean priest as your pastor? No, you, want, you don't want the mean, the mean priest. You want know, the pastor who speaks perfect English or the broken English, or the pastor who's still learning English as a third, second language or a third language? I mean, I like to think that I'm perfect, And you're not guaranteed the perfect priest, but we all know I'm not perfect. By the way, a little hashtag, a little footnote. um, Don't hesitate to help your pastor with fraternal correction, right? We need to grow, we need to help each other. We do make mistakes. And we don't know that until someone says, hey, Father, I think you made a mistake with that decision and that word. But help form your pastors. They're sheep too, even as they're shepherds. But that is a struggle. The quality and the quantity of vocations. Sometimes I hear people leaving their parish because of something the pastor said or did. Who's hurt when that happens? The pastor or maybe the community is hurt when you're not there anymore? As if a link in the chain is now missing. But the vocational crisis is real. And some priests, let's face it, some priests are terrible communicators. That's okay. We need to get better at that. But we're not guaranteed the perfect priest much less one, any pastor at all. That's kind of my point. The vocational shortage is real. On top of that, another worsening spiritual storm is that of secularism and social divisions. In other words, a conglomeration of ideas and ideologies which, although different and even divisive in themselves, have one common fruit, it seems to me. The cultural pull upon our friends and our families' To distance themselves from the Catholic faith and from greater participation in the church's ministry and mission. Think about the parable of the seed on different kinds of soil. I picture secularism as the thorns that grow up, the worldly concerns that, as Jesus would sow this beautiful seed of divine life in our hearts, yet these worldly concerns choke us, choke the seed, and our spiritual life is stunted, kind of dead. Secular culture normalizes and even promotes sin, while ridiculing faith or church authority, much less. Secularism encourages religious indifference. It undermines any zeal for the truth. We like to be spiritual nowadays, not religious. We don't want to stand for any spiritual creed. That's not popular in secularist culture. Sadly, statistics show that today, less than half of even Catholics believe that Jesus is truly present in the Blessed Eucharist. How did so many lose that faith? And how long has this storm been raging? And there are other storms. It's just, my point is there are so many, many storms for decades have been doing their damage, and unrepaired, right? The damage has only been worsening over time. And not much recovery. We simply saw pews after pews more and more empty. We've been dazed and just pushing forward, hardly able to recognize the new situations and the new needs. We did not downsize nor spend more strategically. We had no plan, and our own parishes were not aware of the seriousness, the gravity of their situations. We simply told ourselves that since the church doors were open again, we must be doing just fine. And then Ida hits. And insurance has to be portioned out. We hear talk of parish consolidation. Should we be surprised? And in this situation of diminishing or changing populations and havoc amid so many storms, can you afford so many parishes and so many buildings? Do you exhaust your limited insurance funding to rebuild every building and parish the way it was? without at least stopping to invite everyone to reflect on their situation and make a realistic plan for moving forward. And I think that's what the Archdiocese is trying to do. Help parishes look at their situation for what it really is and make a better plan for moving forward, not just copy-paste from the past. A word storm, and with this I'll make a shift, is what I call parochialism. It's a sense that church, for me, is my own parish, church, and buildings. And it's the tendency as parishes to work like 111 private businesses under the umbrella of the corporate headquarters of the Archdiocese. In New Orleans, were are 100 and something parishes. Amid storm after painful storm, and with damage only increasing over time, we've rarely seen pastors collaborating with neighboring pastors who are also drowning from the same storms. There was no conversation about voluntarily consolidating our resources into one stronger community, and not for decades. Each business, it seems, was focused on its own right to exist, its own right to remain a parish, focused on money to pay debts, maybe to stay open another year, forgetting that they were all, all of us, children nourished by one holy Catholic church, which cannot close, even if certain buildings might have to close. But sometimes each individual boat seems so busy plugging its own holes, reluctant to join forces with neighboring boats in the same fleet. And yet if we keep that up, I think we're all going to sink. Parochialism has kept us paralyzed, instead of working as one family against the same enemies and the same enemy. And so one thing I thought is that I want to apologize, both as pastor and as dean, if over the last years I myself or others have worked so hard to build up a parish with people, activities, and buildings of our own that we inadvertently also built up walls dividing the one Holy Catholic Church. There's only one church. Whether St. Anthony, Holy Family, St. Hubert, St. Gertrude, St. John the Baptist. Parish, that term parish, it's simply an arbitrary and administrative subdivision of that one church. And that presumes that there are far too many people and activities for the one shepherd archbishop to nourish and manage alone. So he appoints a pastor over an arbitrary and mostly geographic area and community. The community contributes towards whatever resources they need to extend Christ's kingdom in that locality. And like the early church, they also contribute to the larger archdiocesan church community, their brothers and sisters. But it was always, and is always, one church, one family, one faith, one shared mission. The one church assembly, right? That's what that word church means. The one gathering together, the gathering together into one, which God is bringing into one holy communion. But in so many storms, with all of our losses, should we continue to sustain so many divisions? And I think we need to begin moving towards working closer together, building a stronger communion, thinking strategically and long-term. Don't ask ourselves, can we pay our bills for one more year or two more years? Ask ourselves for like five or ten more years. What can we do now to improve the situation then? Because we're aware of the gravity of our storms and our losses. I don't think it'll be enough for parishes simply to survive if they're not thriving. This is not really a conversation about the viability of its parish. Again, can we keep our doors open? Are we in the black enough? But it's growing vitality. Any dead fish can swim downstream with the current of the waters. But it's a living fish that can swim upstream and even counter-current and counter-cultural. Are we alive? Are we thriving? Or are we just floating and kind of barely lucky to have enough funding to keep our doors open another year? And who's responsible for that? Is it the Archbishop's job? Is it the pastor's job? My job? The nun's jobs? Is it our maybe shared responsibility to discuss that and look at that? We'll come back to that. I can understand we do here of the diocese paying for outside organizations like Catholic Leadership Institute to help facilitate parish or school conversations about their future or their consolidation. And that's a painful process, and as Dean, I've heard a lot of frustration, and I, I get it. But for me it's mainly, I think, because none of us on our own showed the maturity to volunteer our own facilities to be those consolidated. We wanted our doors open at any cost. Don't close our parish center, close theirs. They should be the one closing, not us. Post-Ida, I heard one leader in a damaged parish decline. Another parish's offer to house their PSR program because their main buildings were damaged. They said, we don't want our kids helped by that PSR program or they might not come back here. What kind of divisions have we created when we can't even receive help from our brother and sister parishes? Sometimes I hear too, you hear about something happening in another parish, you're like, oh, look what they're doing. That's a great idea. We should do that. Let's copy it and make our own. Why not go support what's happening five minutes, ten minutes down the road? Why not make theirs bigger by your participation and support? Why divide and do another one that's going to be just as, you know, you're splitting the support. It's not really us versus them. That's not the mentality we want to cultivate. I really think that the saints themselves, St. Saint Anthony, St. Mark, St. Peter, St. Gertrude, St. John the Baptist, St. Joan of Arc, and all of them would say the same thing. It was never about the church of St. Anthony or St. Hubert or anyone else. It's about the one church of Jesus Christ. Build that kingdom. Look, if the next hurricane hits your church, which of course won't happen for another 50 or 100 years, right? No more hurricanes for a while. But if it were to hit your church, you should know that the buildings of the functioning parish down the street, those are your buildings. That pastor is your shepherd under the same archbishop. And vice versa. If your parish is fine, but the parish down the street is hit, they should know that this church is their church. This community are their brothers and sisters. Do they feel that now? Is it reality or it really not reality? They don't feel that. We don't feel that. Just to get stuck on insurance for a second, but it's obviously rising and will continue to rise. How much longer do we imagine any church will keep all of its current buildings open? And if a hurricane does knock down a church or a building, a power center, etc. Before we build it back to its original capacity for 2,000 people, when it hasn't had more than a couple hundred or 500 in the last decade, maybe it's smarter to spend the money, maybe build a smaller building, and that money might go more towards people, not buildings. Just food for thought. Because we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars on insurance on half-empty buildings sometimes. That doesn't make sense, perhaps. That's the question. Sometimes I hear envious comments about certain parishes which apparently are not on the chopping block list to close, whatever list that is. But I would say this. No one should be sitting content or comfortable right now. No pastor and no parish. Any one storm, be it a hurricane, be it skyrocketing insurance premiums, be it a lawsuit, be it a change in leadership, change in pastor, any one storm could lead to closing our doors almost overnight unless we're willing to work differently, more as one holy communion. So gonna ask forgiveness if church leadership or even other church communities have put any obstacles in the way of this needed and truly Catholic communion, right? That word Catholic, universal, towards one, versus unum, towards oneness. I think um, I'm landing the plane, don't worry. But some, some takeaways, <clears throat> bear with me. I think we need to overcome this paralysis of parochialism We need to come together, I think. We need to work smarter, more strategically, more long-term, getting out of ourselves, holding on tightly to the things that last, and not to buildings, as if the church were only about her buildings. The church is about souls, people, not buildings. St. Paul criticized the damnable divisions in the early church, as if, I am for Cephas, or I am for St. Paul, or I am for Apollos. He challenged them, are we not all for Christ? Is Christ divided? Don't get me wrong, we know that the church is not immune to cultural divisions and social divisions. Y'all know in certain cities why there's so many parishes, one down the street from the other? It's because the Italian Catholics couldn't get along with the Irish Catholics. That's pitiful. Now you're closing so many churches, but maybe you built too many in the first place. Because you didn't live as Catholics. You were too Irish or too Italian. We are not of Luling or of Norco or of Dissolment or of Parity. I'm not of my race. You are not of your race. I should be more Catholic than I am Caucasian. My faith must run deeper than my social boundaries. Can we receive that? Because Catholic means universal, which implies bridge building, building bridges over things that divide us and separate us. Are we trying to do that? Am I personally, each one of us, personally trying to do that? Little footnote, but if you've heard of things like the ACTS program or similar retreat programs that really intentionally try to build community within parishes and within surrounding parishes, that's a helpful direction for us to go in. The Archdiocese and Synod of 2016 highlighted the need for parishes to work together in their faith formation efforts and other efforts. Five years later, are we doing that or not? And whose job is it to make sure that happens? Which is another takeaway. I invite all of us to take ownership of this mission that Jesus entrusted to his church. As the Father has sent me, he said at the Last Supper, so I now send you, Quinn. It's all Quinn. See, Quinn's over there. Little Quinn. It's all Quinn's fault. It's all his responsibility. No, it's it's our shared, our responsibility. Own the mission. We are the church. Take a moment, bear with me, but take a moment. Look at the empty pews for a moment. Just look around you, seriously. Look at the empty pews. Who's responsible for inviting more people to come to the feast? Whose job is that? Is that Father's job? The pastor? Is it the secretary's job who needs to put everything in the bulletin that no one reads, by the way? Just kidding. But whose job is it? It's it's our job. It's our shared job. I invite us to, to look and, and, and realize this church was not built to be one third full on a Sunday. That's not why they built St. Anthony. Feel the weight, just a little bit, of that responsibility. Because it's a huge responsibility and should not rest on the shoulders of one or two people or the 10 or 15 most committed parishioners. Like It's all of our shared responsibility. Have a little bit of healthy stress when you go to bed at night. Have I done enough today? Will I do, what, can, what more can I do tomorrow to invite and include more people and things happening at the parish level? Take ownership of communication. Man, my friends didn't know about the parish picnic coming up. Don't know if the secretary didn't post it or somebody didn't post it. This is a little pet peeve, but when the parish posts something on Facebook and it gets all of one share, thank you all very much. Share it, at least. At least share it the news of what's going on in the parish so that the word gets out to other people take at least that much responsibility for the communication of the parish get the word out so that your people at work, at school your circles of friends Catholic and non-Catholic know about the parish family day or the mass or the adoration or the prayerful moment take ownership of the formation your formation and the formation of the community whose job is it? The PSR is successful. Well, that's the DRE's job. Her name is in the bulletin. No, that's our shared job to make sure that PSR and Adult Faith and Fellowship and all these things we do to form ourselves, even the pastor's homilies, if they're no good, whose fault is that? Well, it's his fault. But if you haven't told him anything, It's our shared responsibility. If you haven't heard of form.org or similar resources that so many Catholic parishes are investing in, that's a huge resource that's just going by the wayside and people are not using it. Own the responsibility. Every now and then it's like, well, you know, Father, PSR is kind of boring. How about, hey, Father, I'm having seven couples over to my house. Would you mind coming for confessions that night? Father, my seventh grade friends and I, we thought that PSR was a little bit, you know, it was good, but it wasn't great. We were going to do a little follow-up video for him, watch a movie and talk about it. Would you come help us with that? Like, that's, that's the initiative. Like, knock on Father's door. Father Anthony doesn't do anything. Come on, knock on his door. Give him some ideas. I'm just kidding. But give him ideas. Give him suggestions. And be a part of the solution. Because it is our shared responsibility. Well, we don't have a parish center. Ours is leaking. Look, the apostles didn't have a parish center. And they brought the faith to the entire world. And we are much more than twelve apostles. What are we doing? What difference are we making with the faith entrusted to us? Here in this parish, or things going on down the street? Own the responsibility for communicating those things and for the formation of this local community. So often I hear people say, "Well, Father, I heard so and so preach about this controversial issue and I heard that, you know, I got the idea, my friend got the idea that, well, if you don't live by the teaching, you're going to hell. Well, first of all, it's pretty tragic. But whose job is it to know the actual teaching so that you teach it the right way? It's not okay if our parents, grandparents, godparents, PSR teachers only got a second grade level of education in their faith, Or even a confirmation level of education. What, what hospital would hire you if you got there with just a high school level A high school degree. Can you be a nurse or a doctor? No. Can you teach the faith with a second grade degree? No. And we need to own the responsibility for the quality of our faith formation. And it needs to increase. I know it's hard. But we're trying to rediscover the treasure of what you have right here while you have it. Does the local community of Luling realize the gift that they have in St. Anthony? The people and the buildings right now. Do they realize you have Jesus Christ in the flesh right here in Luling? Two minutes down the road, open, so many many hours of the day to come spend time with Jesus Christ in the flesh. Will they miss it when it closes, if it closes? Will St. Anthony's be missed? Or will it be one more piece of real estate? Maybe even people thinking, oh, better tax revenue for the local civic society. Do they realize what's being lost if this community closes? That's our job, to make them realize, to help them realize. You're educating people, informing other people in love for their neighbor. That's a value to society. Don't lose it. Don't let it be lost. I know we want to complain about the physical church buildings and insurance not coming through and all these things. And then sadly, we can't easily fix that. It's kind of above our pay grade, even up to FEMA... And insurance, but, um, but the spiritual building of the church, that's entirely in our hands. Rebuild that church, and you won't have to worry about closing buildings, you'll need bigger ones. Y'all know the story of St. Francis, right? God called St. Francis, he says, rebuild my church, and so St. Francis went to physically rebuild St. Damon. He didn't know what Jesus was talking about, and Jesus said, no, not that church. And for the last several hundred years, the Franciscans have been nourishing and building up the spiritual body of Christ. But if we focus on complaining about the the poor physical buildings and ignoring our role in our shared spiritual mission, we won't need buildings much longer. Don't worry, little man, I'm finishing. It's almost done. Okay, so if the church continues to dwindle and you or I have not invited a new person to the parish activity here or down the road, and then we get the news that our church might be closing. Again, whose fault is that? If I've done the least and the minimal. It's not the Archbishop's fault. Don't point fingers at Archbishop Eman. It might be our fault. I say that lightly because y'all are here, so hopefully you're the reason why St. Anthony's open and thriving. But continue to think ahead, right? Because the status quo isn't really working for the long-term picture. So again, in all this, we don't come with decisions or or answers. We need to pray. We need to spend time with the one who's already aware of what he's going to do. We need to get on his wavelength in prayer. As individuals, and as a community, get on his wavelength. We're about to receive Holy Communion. The living sign and sacrament of communion. It truly is Christ, the source of our Christian life our shared mission, our holy communion of life. I invite all of us to take a moment when you receive communion today to talk to Him about that. Talk to Him about the weight He's put on our shared shoulders for His mission. We're asking for a greater personal share in feeling that weight of the mission. Lord, may Your mission not be hindered by my passivity, my negativity, or my indifference. Look, if a building has to close, the church can't slow down. If anything, it needs to speed up and work harder. We pray for a greater communion with all those who Jesus has called to work in this mission with me. That's my neighbor sitting next to me in the pew. Do I even know their name? That's with the pastor. With the pastor down the street. Oh, that's me. With the archbishop. A greater communion with all those who work together. Our brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith, our brothers and sisters in the Protestant faith. We need to work together. The storms are hitting all of us. It's very serious. May we be less focused on what divides us, less identified by unique parish boundaries, and more focused on our Catholic identity as Catholics. We are all of Jesus Christ who prayed, Father, that they may be one, that the world would believe in you. May we not hold too tightly, like St. Paul says, this life is great and I have a mission here, but. I'm really focused on the spiritual world. And we may not hold too tightly to parish boundaries or church buildings, but to one Lord, one church, one community, one family of faith, gathered around one holy altar, which is a share in a heavenly sanctuary. One growing, thriving, holy communion. So I know we're, we're all coming at this from different perspectives, different kinds of soil. We just pray. We ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. We ask for healing in our church. We ask for a greater communion and a greater shared responsibility for great things, tremendous tasks have been entrusted to us. Now, for the future. Amen? Amen. St. Anthony, pray for us.